Six feet is dry. Let's get cozy and comfortable and get ready to hear some. Enlightening, empowering, and inspiring talk on the virtual couch. Letitia's virtual couch. Hello, and welcome to Latisha's Virtual Couch. Before I begin, please send your topic request to virtualcouchpodcast1 at gmail.com. The reason why I created this platform, I wanted to have a place where you could feel relaxed. Um, you can leave here enlightened, empowered, and more inspired. And uh, just basically somewhere where you can go and kind of get educated. I think I talked about it in my intro podcast where sometimes we are so used to getting information on social media. And don't get me wrong, social media is not a bad thing because I love social media. You know, I learn a lot. However, I think sometimes falsehood could be perpetuated and you can still leave not educated about a situation but tainted, I feel, with information that's not even true. So I wanted to create a platform where you are really getting real information. Sometimes I will be bringing stats. Sometimes I will be bringing guests on that are gurus in their particular field. So I definitely just wanted to say that, that that's why I created this platform, okay? So I received a message today on my Instagram inbox my dm (laughs) and this individual she's a parent of an eight-year-old daughter and she has some concerns and they were really common concerns but you know to a parent that's going through with a child that is in that launching stage and i'll go into detail about what launching actually means um, a little bit later but when a parent is going through that stage it can be a very scary thing um, because at that time, the child is asserting their adulthood. You know, they're, they're trying to become an adult. So a lot of times that's going to manifest in ways where it's very not, it's not very pleasant to the parent. You know, being rebellious, you know, cutting curfews, things of that sort happens at this stage. When a child, and I don't want to really say child, but the reason why I'm saying child is because this is what the parent actually uh, said, that she thinks she's grown. So automatically, I'm looking at this as you are looking at her as she's a child. That's the first mistake because she's not a child. However, I would say, because I did agree with some things, that when we are still in the home of our parents, we owe them a level of respect. And I I believe personally, and this is not me professionally talking, but personally right now, I believe you are a full-fledged adult (laughs) when you are out of your parents' home. That way you can assert as much independence as you want. But I think that, you know, when you're living with your parents, you still need to respect them by, you know, coming home at a certain hour because, of course, parents are still going to be worried whether we're adults or not. And I've dealt with that. I remember going to college, coming back home briefly, and I definitely say briefly because I was so used to being on my own. (laughs) And I wasn't used to someone um, wanting to know when I was going to come home, if I was going to come home. So I would say, thankfully, though, 
I'm glad it did happen because it made me hurry up and get out <laughs> again because I, I could I couldn't handle it because this is what person who in college I had two jobs. I worked, um, like I said, two jobs, went to school full time and still graduated with honors. Now that I'm coming home, I have someone that is going to ask me what time I'm coming home. And mind you, I had my own apartment. I always lived by myself. I never had a roommate. So I was always independent and very responsible. So I'll just say that. The mother of this 18-year-old wanted some advice from a professional um, because she wanted to know how to actually move forward, um, still hold boundaries with her, but at the same time not be negative and possibly run her daughter away. Now, I would say there are other circumstances that are involving this family that I won't go into detail about but um, it's very sensitive and she wanted to know how to basically address her daughter uh, being the fact that she had issues with another daughter which is older than this 18 year old. Hey, this is your girl Letitia coming to you from the virtual couch. I want to take a little bit of your time today to discuss how to find the right therapist. Now, like with anything, your hairstylist, your gardener, your medical doctor, it may take a few tries before you find the right fit. Finding the right therapist is no different. So stay the course and don't give up. Also, I want to empower you to ask questions. Do not feel like you're being intrusive by asking questions because guess what? This is the person that's going to lead you and guide you towards your healing. And this is a very important partnership. So I will say this even as a therapist myself, if a therapist becomes offended by any questions that you may have, just like with any other individual that I discussed before, like your doctor, your gardener, whoever, someone you know, working on your home. If they become offended, you're probably not gonna hire them, right? Exactly. Your therapist is no different. So don't feel offended. Don't be offended by the degrees and the licenses. And yes, all those hard things we worked for, but we're here for you. And so it is your right to ask every question you need to ask to make sure it is the right fit for you. And again, it may take a few tries. And again, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or that therapist is a bad person either. It just means that, you know what, they may not be the right person to guide you on your journey. Um, so I wanna leave you with a, free, a few resources. Uh, psychologytoday.com is a resource where you can view various therapists and you can even input your area by your zip code, your city, and your state to find the therapist nearest you. You can also go to therapyforblackgirls.com and therapyforblackmen.org. Please seek these resources out. They are awesome. There's some wonderful 
very experienced therapists on these sites, some of which are my beautiful colleagues and I know the hard work that they do and they are waiting to hear from you. Okay, so I'm not gonna take any more of your time because I know you can't rush to, can't wait to get to that computer, right? And search out that therapist. So I'm not going to say anything further. If you want to tell me about your experience, I would love to hear about it. Please email me at virtualcouchpodcast1 at gmail.com and happy hunting. Take care. So before the brief break, I sort of went over what I will be discussing today. Again, I had a parent who inboxed me actually on my Instagram page, and she just wanted more information regarding how to deal with an 18-year-old child. And I don't want to say child. I would say adult that's in her home. But how she presented it to me, she's still viewing this adult as a child because the first thing that she said was she thinks she's grown. And so I didn't want to really go into it. Uh, I told her that I would do a podcast about this subject um, to sort of educate her about it. But I did give her a little advice um, regarding how to increase this individual's, her 18-year-old daughter's independence. What I've learned, independence for a lot of parents is viewed in a negative light. And um, I understand that uh, because sometimes a child's independence or an adolescent's independence, young adult's independence is usually manifested in a negative way. What we were viewed as a negative way. You see the rebellious behavior. A lot of times you see the talking back. You see the breaking curfew. Um, At times you may even see school issues. And um, this is something that was brought up as well. You probably cringe as parents to know that your child is having sex. But what I always try to tell parents that I'm working with is remember when you were 18 years old. Remember when you were 17. What are some of the things that you did that your parents still don't know about today? I think a lot of times when we're older, we forget that we were those same defiant children that we um, cringe about now. So a lot of times I like to just say and have a parent start off with breathing and kind of just really sit back and think about the things that you did when you were a child. Now, I will say this doesn't apply to everyone because you have some children who get, you know, didn't give their parents any issues at all. I can't say that <laughs> because I was very headstrong and I was independent as well. And this individual said that her daughter is the same way and she aspires to, you know, become um, an attorney. And that's so funny because it resonated so much with me because as an adolescent, I was going to go to law school. And um, that's something that a lot of my friends, even though I did take some law courses, but a lot of my friends to this day were like, you are an attorney. Because even with their legal advice, I still help them 
Um, I'm always researching. I'm always learning law. I have a passion for law, but I didn't want to go into law per se because um, I just have my own opinion about it. And I don't talk about, you know, lawyers in a bad light because I think they're awesome and we need them. But for me, I, I wanted to do more therapy work because I wanted to actually help people deal with their past and launch them off to their future in, in healthy ways. The discussions on this podcast is for informational purposes only. If you find yourself becoming triggered by any topic, please refrain from listening and reach out to your nearest emergency room or dial 911. If you desire to seek therapy in the future, please Google and find your nearest therapist in close proximity to you. Thank you. This is your girl, Letitia, coming to you from the virtual couch. I want to take a little bit of your time today to discuss how to find the right therapist. Now, like with anything, your hairstylist, your gardener, your medical doctor, it may take a few tries before you find the right fit. Finding the right therapist is no different. So stay the course and don't give up. Also, I want to empower you to ask questions. Do not feel like you're being intrusive by asking questions because guess what? This is the person that's going to lead you and guide you towards your healing. And this is a very important partnership. So I will say this even as a therapist myself, if a therapist becomes offended by any questions that you may have, just like with any other individual that I discussed before, like your doctor, your gardener, whoever, someone you know, working on your home. If they become offended, you're probably not going to hire them, right? Exactly. Your therapist is no different. So don't feel offended. Don't be offended by the degrees and the licenses. And yes, all those hard things we worked for, but we're here for you. And so it is your right to ask every question you need to ask to make sure it is the right fit for you. And again, it may take a few tries. And again, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or that therapist is a bad person either. It just means that, you know what, they may not be the right person to guide you on your journey. Um, So I wanna leave you with a a few resources. Uh, Psychologytoday.com is a resource where you can view various therapists and you can even input your area by your zip code, your city and your state to find the therapist nearest you. You can also go to therapyforblackgirls.com and therapyforblackmen.org. Please seek these resources out. They are awesome. There's some wonderful, very experienced therapists on these sites, some of which are my beautiful colleagues and I know the hard work that they do and they are waiting to hear from you. Okay, so I'm not gonna take any more of your time because I know you can't rush to, can't wait to get to that computer, right? And search out that therapist. So 
I'm not going to say anything further. If you want to tell me about your experience, I would love to hear about it. Please email me at virtualcouchpodcast1 at gmail.com and happy hunting. Take care. Did y'all enjoy the break? Now find your spot on the virtual couch and get ready to hear our girl Letitia drop some more gems on ya. Drop some more gems on them, Letitia. Letitia, drop some more gems on them. I would like to begin with providing you with a definition for launching. And the reason why I'm using this word is because this is the phase that this parent is in right now. I also would like to provide some brief stats on this issue. And the reason why I use stats is because sometimes when we're dealing with issues, we are sometimes um, riddled with tunnel vision. And we think that we're the only ones that are dealing with this particular problem. When we use stats, we see how the issue impacts individuals globally. Lunching simply means the period between 17, 18 years of age when a parent, our parents are preparing their adolescence for adulthood. This typically happens when a child is in the 11th to 12th grade. Sometimes it happened a little sooner and, you know, that could be controversial, but I won't go into that during this podcast. But you have some children who actually goes to college earlier. And that can kind of be difficult because if they are actually launching a little bit earlier than their developmental age is actually equipping them for, it can be very problematic. So now let's get into some stats. According to the 2010 census, it proves that we as Americans are having some issues with launching our children. Only 50% of Americans in the mid twenties felt equipped enough financially to actually support themselves. 63% of men and 52% of women between the ages of 18 and 24 still lived at home. Now, one of the things that I saw when I saw the stat was, wow, 63% of men are still at home while 52% of women are still at home. And this is the age between 18 and 24. That is mind blowing to me. And there's higher number of men, but we're gonna get into a podcast about that a little bit later. How are we equipping our men to actually be 
self-sufficient, number one, because I don't want to label men as like their providers first. No, you need to be self-sufficient in order to care for anyone. You need to be able to care for yourself. But uh, that's a whole nother story. And, you know, we'll definitely get into that, too, if, if that's something that interests you as well. But it seems that we are having issues with lunching our children. Now, I will say there are some cultural implications of that, too. And, and I wanted to look and research a little bit more about what the different cultures um, stats are, because I'm pretty sure they're going to be quite different because I know in some cultures it is a thing to remain home. Um, you know, it is standard. It is not taboo for um, a son and a daughter to remain home until they're married. In 2016, according to usnews.com, 67% of Americans, I say young adults, because it says 15 to 29, which, okay, 15 years old, I will expect you to still live at home. But they said that 67% still remain at home. However, this is something that I just learned, that there's a lot of countries that that is really the norm. And I said that before, you know, with various cultures, it's a cultural thing. And it's, it's um, expected for um, some cultures to remain at home until they're married. Um, I know I have spoken with um, people from other cultures. And the reason why some of the, um, I guess the, the reason why it's expected sometimes is because they feel like they can still instill certain values. They want them to be more self-sufficient. And actually many believe that Americans lunch their children too soon. As a psychology major, I was always taught about the various stages of development. And one of my favorite theorists in school and still today is Erickson. And Erickson, kind, he breaks it down from infancy all the way to old age, um, you know, older adults, because I don't like to say old age. <laughs> but from infancy to older adults, the different things that we should be achieving at those um, stages. And if we're not achieving them, then looking um, a little bit deeper of why that is, why we're fixated at a certain stage or why we haven't even evolved to a certain stage. I think I've, out of all the theories, and this is my opinion, I think he is the one that is like definitely spot on because I actually see it in action, even when I'm dealing with different relationships, whether it's family, whether it's, um, you know, an intimate relationship. I definitely can see right away where there's some stagnation and there's some fixation with some people and not saying I analyze people because I don't. I think just just in general, as humans, we do that when we meet someone. We want to know why people function the way they, you know, the way they function. Why do they do some of the things that we see them do? And, you know, I think our brain automatically goes into, you know, analysis mode, especially women, because we like to analyze. Not saying that we're always right, but I think um, men as well. We want to analyze why are we having an issue with a certain relationship, um, whether it's um, a co-worker on the job, a boss or whatever. 
um, we definitely want to get, you know, um, more of an understanding of what's going on. In the Erickson's identity versus role confusion stage, that's between the ages from 12 to 18. This is when an individual is learning who they are. They're trying to form their identity. And as I said before, in the beginning of the podcast, this is when a lot of times we see the rebellious teenager. They're trying to find themselves. And during this stage, social relationships mean everything. So a lot of times parents are having an issue with the the um, adolescent breaking away and not being the center of their world anymore because that is just a natural part of development. Their friends are going to be the center of their world now. Now with the age of social media, it's um, I think it's even, even um, greater now because their friends are always at their fingertips like 24-7. And um, fashion and, you know, that's how they're getting their identity. Although this also can be problematic, as I was stating, some things can be problematic as well during this stage. So it is best for parents to have firm boundaries. They're going to rebel regardless, but having firm and consistent boundaries, being clear with your communication, talking to and not talking at is very key. You can lose your child by talking at them. Now, I'm not going to say that you're not frustrated because, of course, you are. This is a new um, thing to you as well as a parent, but you definitely have to learn how to communicate and not talk down to them. Um, You know, choose your words very wisely because, you know, we can't take the things that we say back. Be very mindful of your behavior and your communication with them because you can lose them this way because friends are very impressionable. You know, they're like I said, they're the center of their world. So they have a lot of um, weight and persuade your child to do things that probably go against your morals, your values, your rules, and everything else. So if your child is coming to you and they're being honest about things, be mindful to not judge them and just look at the the big picture, the glass, you know, half full that they're coming to you, you know, and, and that holds a lot of weight to me. I always let parents know, and I have to remind them, your child came to you. Be mindful of your reaction to things that they say, which can be shocking. I'm not going to lie and say, you know, to act a certain way um, or feel a certain way, I should say, um, when something is shocking. However, we are in control of our emotions and how we react to them, because if we are shunning them for something that they were very honest about, then what makes you think that they're going to come back again to tell you they won't. So definitely be very mindful of that. It's also very important to address um, your adolescent at this stage in an appropriate way because we have what we call the role confusion. That's the role confusion piece to where if their identity is not welcomed, um, if they're not in a home where they are cherished during this stage, then they can become confused. 
And I think we see a lot of that. Um, You know, we can all raise our hand and say that we've seen someone who really didn't know who they were. They follow the crowd and that could be very dangerous. So we have to be mindful of how we're rearing our children and how we're addressing them because it can actually be harmful to them later when we are not um, welcoming them to have a voice, then we are setting them up to be a follower. And that can be very detrimental. As we know, we see things in the media right now where, you know, certain girls are, um, you know, into sex trafficking and things of that sort, um, looking for something. And my, my first thing, and I, and I never victim shame, of course, and I never blame um, parents because I don't know what's going on in the home. But my first thing that I always think about is who validated who they were. Because I know as a child, um, at a, um, as an adolescent, I was always headstrong myself, but you could not make me go and do something that um, I didn't want to do. But you have so many people who don't have that core who have that foundation uh, of being validated for who they are, even if it goes against what we believe, but that's who they are. Now, that's not to say that you just let your child do anything that they want to do. Of course not. You have firm boundaries, consistent boundaries, as I said before, but they should be honored and cherished for who they are. If you or someone you love is having thoughts of suicide, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. It is available 24 hours, seven days a week. You are not alone. Have a seat. On the virtual couch. During this stage, the adolescent will also be mesmerized by significant others. And uh, this is also hard for parents to grasp as well, because in a parent's eye, you're always looking at your child as that little girl or that little boy. That innocent, you know, like I said, that you are there, the center of their world. And they are slowly and gradually branching away from that. If your adolescent is coming to you about having sex, I know the first normal reaction as a parent is to be appalled, to be angry, to automatically want to lock them in the house. You can't go anywhere, but this is absolutely the wrong thing to do. First of all, you cannot be with your children 24 seven. And if they're telling you, look at that again as a positive sign that they trust you enough with coming to you and they want your advice. Now, I know sometimes this is hard because sometimes parents feel They are condoning the act. And this is not condoning anything. You're educating them because if you don't educate them, their friends are going to um, educate them. Social media is going to educate them. Uh, 
porn videos are going to educate them, you know, and I know we may laugh and chuckle about that, but I'm absolutely serious. They're curious and they're going to find the information and it may be the wrong information that can be very dangerous to their safety because you have a lot of um, predators out there that are definitely willing to teach them. But it may not be the correct thing to teach them, but they are definitely willing to provide them with some information. Have a seat on the virtual couch. Get it, girl. Let's go. Welcome back. Before I move on, I would like to add some information regarding why a child could even be hesitant of leaving home and lunching and branching out. There could be fear. There's sometimes when children are afraid to leave home because there has been a death in the family, whether it's been a sibling, a a parent's substance abuse issues, a parent's mental illness. And if there's younger siblings at home, say for instance, if there's sexual abuse in the home and things of that factor, or it could just be just a child who is more parentified and they are fearful and they have anxiety of something happening and they feel like some type of ownership of taking care of their family. So sometimes a child may exhibit behaviors to kind of uh, prove, I'll put in quotes, that they're not equipped to leave yet. And so you definitely want to pay attention and look at those um, behaviors and never be afraid to have conversations, whatever you're thinking. Have that conversation with your child because they may not know how to come out and express their feelings about those things. But again, as I said before, be careful in how you are communicating with your child. Talk to them and not at them. If you need some time to just step away, breathe a little, because guess what? Emotions are normal. I'm not saying to not be um, excited or not being upset about information that you've just um, learned. But if you feel that you're going to lash out in anger, always take some time and breathe first. Get to yourself. Talk to your spouse, um, a friend, anybody that can be beneficial in helping you calm down before you approach your child. After this brief break, I would like to provide you with a few tips to help you effectively relate to your child who may be in the launching phase. Okay, let's review some tips that I think that would be helpful for you to use with your child, your adolescent who's in the launching stage. These tips will make them more independent, more responsible while keeping them safe. The first thing that you should do is establish independence. And that could be in the form of helping them um, with uh, going to the grocery store for you, having them cook, having them clean, of course, chores. And you can start that fairly young. Another thing, uh, another tip that I would like to provide is setting boundaries. Setting boundaries um, is okay. And it's also gradually helping you to release that reign that you have on them, that control that you have on them, that leash that that you have 
um, them on. And that could be in the form of having um, certain rules with them going out with friends, um, even how they use um, social media. Because you know what today's children, today's adolescents and young adults, social media consumes so much of their time. So it would be good to have some restrictions around that. Another tip is having them earn your trust. And that can be very hard for some parents and that you are going to help them. um, Say, for instance, with curfew, you're going to establish trust and see what they're going to do with it. So, again, release a lot, some of that control and allow them to make mistakes. And this is what's going to be very um, difficult for you to do is to allow them to actually make mistakes. And that's how you're going to earn their trust. And if they are making those mistakes, then, you know, you have to make those um, boundaries maybe a little bit firmer um, for a while. Another tip that I would suggest is to teach them effective decision making. And again, um, you are going to stay calm. You're going to listen to them. You're going to help them brainstorm a lot of uh, possibilities and solutions um, to issues that arise. Instead of becoming very emotional, you're going to help them with effective decision making. This is a trait that's going to be definitely good for them in their adulthood. There's going to be a lot of decisions that are going to arise, as you know, as you are an adult, they're going to arise and they are not going to always have you there. So it's very good to practice this skill. Another tip is helping them to manage money. Now, I've heard this in my office so many times with parents, um, with today's youth, I would say. They um, are just throwing money at them, throwing gifts at them, and they're not working for them. And that's not teaching them anything, but that they can just waste money. Now, when they become more independent and on their own, they can see that um, you have to work for everything. You have to work for your money and you also have to save for a rainy day. So modeling responsible money management is going to be definitely good for them. Um, encourage them to earn their own money is definitely going to be good. And that can be in the form of helping them find a job. It could be a little odd job. It can even be something that you can um, em- employ them with around the house. Say, for instance, you can model that you're the boss and, and they're the employee or you can um, help them learn how to run a business. And that's my personal um, opinion. I think a lot of times we're not teaching our children how to actually run a business. We're teaching our children to be employees instead of employers. But that's only my own personal opinion about that. But even setting up a savings account for them and having them deposit their money in um, that they've earned is also good. A good thing to have. It's going to keep them um, afloat on those rainy days when, and guess what? We've all had financial crisis. There is no one can say that they've had um, had a financial crisis in their day and things that they do would do differently to avoid that again, because it definitely shapes you. Um, one other thing is to encourage responsibility. Encourage responsibility is really all of the things that I've said before, but I'm just going to stress that a little bit more. Um, consequences for their actions. If they get into a situation, encourage them to take ownership of it. And that's building their integrity. And that's going to take them a long way. So you're helping them become responsible by taking ownership of positive and negative consequences for their action. 
And I'm pretty sure we all know of people who, when things are good, you know, they take ownership of them, but when they're negative, they don't. But a person with real integrity is going to take ownership for both things, both parts, you know, both positive and negative. And also communication, because I'm just going to throw that within that too. Um, communicating on um, what's happened, because a lot of times too, you see people who they make mistakes and then they go missing. You know, I always say you can look at and know a person's true character when there's a crisis, because that's who they really are. How they act in crisis situations is going to be how they really are. That's their character. Okay. Another tip is to teach them time management, adequate time management. And you can do this by sitting down with them and um, going over activities and responsibilities for the week. You know, if they're in school still, you know, have a, um, a set schedule for them to do homework. It may be um, helping them complete different chores and different responsibilities that they have. We have a lot of children who are, or a lot of adolescents who are in sports. So this is very important. And it's also going to teach them how to um, time manage when they go off to college, because you have some children who go off to college, some adolescents, you know, that go off to college and they fail. And a lot of times it's not because they are not academically inclined. A lot of times it's just plain and simple time management, and they've never exercised this at home. So you have a lot of children um, that go off to college and they sort of rebel. The wild child that, you know, that was on the tight leash. Now that they have all this free time, they don't know what to do with it because they've never been taught. And lastly, I just want to say, parents, for you, it is okay to let go. You know, parenthood doesn't come with a manual. You're going to make mistakes and that's okay. Um, pick yourself up, you know, don't blame yourself too much about anything because you're human. You know, parenting is hard. I remember one time I was looking at the Oprah Winfrey show and this phrase that she says took um, with me for years that parenting is one of the most hardest job on the planet. And I'm not a parent, but I really believe that it is hard because you're competing with so many different variables in raising your children. So your child can be raised with the most greatest morals in the home, but you do not have any control about the different factors and the different negative influences that they're going to have outside. So um, I'll just say, you know, continue to guide your children, do the best that you can. And I definitely hope this helped. Before I um, end, I definitely want to give you the email again. If you have any suggestions, any topics, um, please feel free to do so. If you want to respond to this podcast. Also, I want to hear your feedback. Please email me at virtualcouchpodcast1 at gmail.com. That's virtualcouchpodcast1 at gmail.com. Thank you so much and have a very, very blessed day. Wasn't that show fire? I hope you enjoyed your time on the virtual couch with our girl Letitia on Letitia's virtual couch. You did that, Letitia. Letitia's virtual couch.